What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Salty Dogs Podcast. Yo, yo. Jason here, and we got Christopher Cern at the table. Got me here. We also got our buddy uh, Travis Roberts with the District Church. He's What's here up? hanging out with What's us. What's up? Yeah, he's going to be helping us uh, kick off our church planner discussion series. So we're pretty stoked about yeah, that. Yeah, we're, we're stoked about that. But before we do all that stuff, yeah. Chris, you usually have a nice little question to ask. Oh, God. you know what? That's so funny. I haven't even been thinking about these topics no? anymore and, and bantering at the yeah. beginning and talking about all of that stuff. All the fun I'll stuff. tell you what I've been thinking about a lot lately. Tell me about stay-at-home dads um, that, that might be a part of the audience. Being a stay-at-home dad is hard. It's not easy, and I'm sure being a stay-at-home mom I think is, you got like one, hard, You got one amen out of <laughs> yeah, all those you listeners. Got one, yeah. You got one. Being a stay-at-home parent is extremely difficult. Um, I, I was just talking to my buddy Kyle, you know Kyle, the other day, and we were at the park with our kids, a couple of stads, and, uh, and we were hanging out, and we were just talking about how all we do is feel like we clean the same things over and over and over and over again all day. And I just tell Ellie not to bring her stuffed animal out, and she and she's got like fifty. That it's just a it's a whole deal. So on top, you're of, stuck in the grind. Yes, on top of so doing that, on top of running a photography business, and then pastoring. And, Look, we and know you're a photographer and, already, and all that stuff. We know Chris. <laughs> so so, dude, the grind never stops. But that's what I've been thinking stops. about. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you wouldn't know anything about that. I wouldn't know about you, the. You actually follow the the, di- the biblical paradigm of of leading your family and that's you know, right. from I'm the, the outside. I'm the umbrella. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm not I'm even the umbrella. Dad umbrella. I'm like a goulash. <laughs> have you seen that? I have not. I don't You've, think so. You haven't seen no. that graph? It's like, like God as an umbrella, then oh, Father as okay. an yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole thing so and yeah. Anyways, yep. I I see the I see the value in it, but I could also pick it apart. But I'm not going to. Right. Yeah. Hey, Chris. Yes. I have a gift for you. And I and if a and gift if you, yeah, or I do, a, gift. a gift. I have a gift no, a for G-I-F? you. No, G I F? No, G I F T. Okay. What is yeah. it? Yeah. And let's just settle the matter. Now I know that the creator of the GIF actually pronounces it GIF, but And he should have used a J. He should have used a J, but he didn't want it to be peanut butter brand. It needed to be I, I animated. <laughs> so it's graphics. Right? Gotcha. G-I-F graphics. So I ah. call it GIF. It was, I have a GIF for you. Yeah, what is And so it? if you're listening, you actually have to go back to Facebook and watch this because I want to see the look on Chris's face when I give him this gift. What is the gift? So, you know, recently we've been talking about some controversial topics on the right. on the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just thought I, want, I wanted to be the good Christian brother and uh, lovingly bring some correction into your life. And so I have a, I have a book for you. Oh gosh. Oh, I'm this so afraid right now. What is it? It's called introducing Christian doctrine. I already oh. have that book. And so it's the second edition. <laughs> I have that book. You do have yeah. this book. Uh, hold well, on. You, you need another it. one because apparently you have apparently it, but you have you read it? Have you read it? I have not. You okay. haven't. <laughs> and so I just need you to read through that. And I Did need you just to go through your bookshelf. I need you to come in line brother with traditional Christian doctrine. And so get on it. Can you catch can me I up just, on this? Can I just what, say was that I there a, Was there a was there going off the rails at some point that oh, I need to be aware of? Am I next to a heretic? Travis, yes, well, yeah. Yeah, yes, probably almost her, almost heretical. Yeah, no, man. You know, and this is kind of funny because you know, Travis, we were coming in and we were like, kind of telling him like, "Have you ever listened to the podcast? You know, are you do you know what you're getting yourself into?" And he's like, "Nope." Travis just <laughs> trusts us and, and believes it's good, and we're gonna the bars are gonna come down on the doors here pretty soon. You're gonna get strapped in the seat, and you're not gonna be able to run away. But whoa, wow, <laughs> too much. No, that's, and, that's and, where the doctrine's off. And he's <laughs> and he's in the basement 
of a long dark hallway right. in the bottom of a church in in Wichita in Wichita not Kansas. a good thing yeah so to go back to your we'll just and we'll we'll talk about this let's I talk think, about it I think um so for for us I think some people would would hear some of the things that that we talk about and think that just entertaining different ideas or different thought processes um automatically assumes that we're drinking some sort of Kool-Aid or or when really you know we really value conversation and and exploring things I know that I've undergone a pretty um interesting you know I'm sure you're familiar with the word deconstruction right but but you know after after the first job that I worked at at a church it's almost like you get this this peek behind you know you know the the real the ministry side. curtain. The, yeah, the ministry curtain. You yeah. get a peek behind it. And so there were some things that I saw back there that I was like, oh man, like I didn't realize this is how it was going to be. And I mean, we're actually kind of already getting into our topic, but um, I didn't realize things were going to be that they were. Not to say that everything was bad and terrible, but there were things that were said and conversations that were had. I'm like, man, is this really the focus of what we're doing? And and so it's almost like I've seen some things. I've had some some battle, some battle stories and it's like, man, this is, I can't help but believe that this isn't the way that Jesus wanted things to be. And so from that, we'll have conversations about about current expressions of the church and things like that. Now, I will say that, and I was just having a conversation today with someone um, about this podcast, this podcast being like almost a sounding board for my faith and, and, you know, where I've come and, and how Jesus is bringing me through it. So I don't know how wise that is to a lot of people, um, <laughs> but, but I will say that it's been really valuable and it's been, I'm a verbal processor as it is. And so it's been extremely helpful for me. Um, I know that I've had friends, other people write us in that have said, Hey, you know, it's great to know that there's someone else that feels this way and that's processing the things that I'm processing. And so I guess I pretty much say nothing's off the table for us to have a conversation about. Well, it's funny. Like that deconstruction word is it's a buzzword. It's like super popular. But what I think happens a lot with deconstruction is people will deconstruct certain ideas mm-hmm. or they'll deconstruct themselves, but then they never reconstruct anything in the right. in, in the uh, uh, aftermath. And yep. and so it's almost like so I grew up and Rob Bell was like Numa video popular, right, right? You know, he was like the great you know reformer of the evangelical church, and he taught us to question, right? But he didn't teach us to come to any solution. Mm-hmm. So he taught us how to like critique things and look sure. at things and ask, is this the best way, which was really refreshing. And at the time, everybody, I mean, I mean the most conservative Bible believing churches, just like decade late Rob Bell's. <laughs> yeah. We're lowercase R. Lowercase Dang it, Travis. But, but then you, you, cause you don't want to be, you don't want to just be, I've got all the answers. Yeah. Because we, sure. I mean, that, we don't, we don't yeah. you know, but, but you also don't want to land in the, I question everything all the time, and so follow me. Well, where am I going to follow you? Right, you know, right. Because right. you just yeah. ask questions, you know, that kind yeah. of shit. And I think that that's what, you know, every everybody wants to be different. But I think that that's something that we really do try to implement into every episode is regardless of the topic that we challenge, whether we're talking mm-hmm. about divorce or inerrancy or, or you know, in one of a thousand different topics, we want to bring some sort of action step and some right. sort of... Um, yeah. Resolution. Well, it's, well, it's we want to try like, to tie it up and not just leave people hanging like, well, yeah. it's always oh, like, well. go talk to Jesus and see what he tells you. And that's almost right. always the answer. Seriously, like, that's you almost know. always the answer. So that was just a joke. I was putting some books away earlier and found I found that, that Christian doctrine book. I said, I'm going to give it to Chris. It's funny because I already, ha- I already <laughs> have it. You do. Yeah. yeah. But you haven't well, read but it. But he hadn't read I mean, it. I hadn't read yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Don't you know, you just got to have a nice, pretty bookshelf with lots of books on it. Yeah. So yeah, deconstruction is a pretty popular topic. And we brought up the, brought up the word kind of last 
episode and uh we're kind of dancing word, dancing yeah. around something i actually don't like the word um well just because just a lot it, of negative connotations well it's like the word christian it carries yeah. so much weight but then now if you're a deconstructionist within christianity it it has its own set of weight somebody will it, immediately go oh you're oh they yeah because they just they they you get compartmentalized real quick you're almost better yeah. to say like man i'm just on a journey right now with jesus and i'm i'm praying through some stuff <laughs> i mean and for the most yeah. part like for the most part that's that's the truth right. yeah like it's, that's it's also like the uh the hipster uh but it's christian it's it's a christian word it's like it's not a it's not a secular word it's not a word out in the world it's right. it's a word that we use as Christians, like right. millennial Christians use it, and nobody we feel else is really, really using that no, word. Uh-uh. like yeah. you don't walk in with a group of like uh, mechanics and say, "Man, like I'm just deconstructing a lot right yeah. now." Like, what do you mean? I'm desecularizing. Yeah. <laughs> I coined the term. You guys heard it on the Salty Lux podcast. Desecularizing. So before before we dive too far in, let's uh, take a moment and we'll pass the salt. I thought you were gonna say pray. <laughs> We already prayed though. Hey, remember we did the we did the Devo last time. We did. I, I dropped that Daily on you. Devo. Wow. And we actually do pray before our, our podcast. I don't know if people actually know. <laughs> we are Christian. We, we are do Christian. pray. <laughs> we do like we Jesus. do love Jesus. <laughs> we love we, but you know what's funny is like we always have to justify like I I know I just said that, but I really do love Jesus, right? Like at some point we're just right. gonna have to stop doing the things that we need to follow up with. Yeah. I really do love well, Jesus. Well this week's this week's salt like ties in exactly to yeah, what we're talking about. So, so our last episode we asked the question is something missing and basically like have you ever asked a question in a church service in your faith or whatever it is like you know i've done the things i've gone to the bible studies i've done the 101 i signed the paper i volunteer give my 10 percent, and you feel like you're kind of in that place like man something's missing you know and so we kind of address some of that and and you know our Talked journey about a gray area like kind of sometimes feeling like maybe you're in limbo with like Man, I, I know I'm on this journey with Jesus right now, and I'm just in a place to where I don't I don't know what's next. I don't know what He's got for me next. So you're kind of like in this this limbo space to where it's like, man, I don't I don't know what God's gonna do right now. But it's it's a little scary. Like I you know I hope that I'm coming up to this next yeah juncture of faith. Yeah, right. So we actually got an email, and uh, we're not gonna read the entire email, but we want to give a shout out to a guy named Jared, and uh, it's the first email we received in a couple of weeks, but it was really yeah. encouraging. And he took some time to to really it was a long one man. write some things out, and I appreciate it. Yeah, and um, long. When I say it was long, I don't mean that negative way. It was great to yeah. get someone's thoughts like right. that, that. You know, Jared, you took the time to write all this out. We really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. So let me just read the last part. I think he'll be fine with this because I'm not giving anything, anything away. Um, he just says, uh, "Thank you so much for your uh, for addressing this issue." Uh, you can imagine how refreshing it was to hear this last episode based on what he said he was going through. Right. Um, and he says, it is a growing issue that needs to be talked about. I feel like you guys were talking about my situation. Please continue to talk about this no matter how much flack you get for it. You don't know how exciting it is for me to know that there are people out there who can question these things, but still approach it from a biblical point of view and ultimately in grace and love. Keep up the good work. So that was super encouraging. Yeah. You I sent that bad boy late. I think it was like 11. Yeah, I don't. You I got it, it late. I got it like at ten o'clock, and so I shot it over to you. So, anyways, just know that we we do appreciate the feedback, and we do take the time to read the emails. Uh, I could get better about taking the time to responding. It's been crazy lately, but I did shoot Jared a quick message and said, "All hey, you said was thanks. thanks, and you didn't even yeah, use right. a vowel. You uh-huh. just said thx. Yeah, right. Period. <laughs> like even... I just responded k. Okay. <laughs> that stuff drives me nuts, oh man. Gosh. You know, Jared. I hope uh, that the Lord will bless you with the rosiest of, of cheeks. You get those, and you wear them with pride, brother. That's right. Wear that that flattery. Wear that flattery. So, all right. Well, let's dive into the meat of the 
meat of the conversation yeah i'm all about the meat let's do it so what are we talking let's talk a little bit real quick about our desire to actually do a church planting series yeah well i think for us i mean we everybody here at the table um has church planting background experience um whether that was helping start one did you ever help start one like at a volunteer level no you were always kind of like a the guy yeah the guy yeah Mm -hmm. well so but yeah we've all had so i'm previous youth pastor that was my first step into the church planting circle um, you as a campus can, pastor, church planter, whatever. And then Travis as is the main dude. Yeah. The main guy. So we whatever all have this, yeah, we all have this, um, the guy, we all had this passion, I think for, for, I think when you boil it down to taking serious, the great commission, you know, to try to reach people and, and lead them to yeah, Jesus. And so right. we've all had this, uh, th- this background. And so I think for me and you, we have a lot of conversations about, uh, the climate of church and, and, you know, different expressions and things like that. And so, um, I, I know that we sometimes tend to lean on the saltier side. And so <laughs> uh, my desire with this conversation was to try to find a balanced view to it's like, listen, this isn't, we don't want to dump on church planning or we don't want to, you know, come out swinging negative or anything like that. But what we want to do is we want to get guys, friends that we know and have that are, you know, laboring right. <laughs> to, to, to make things happen, to, to share so, Jesus. So we wanted to have a conversation around church planning. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So, so- Go we ahead. definitely want to try and tackle it from different different uh, areas or different viewpoints. Like, we want to talk to somebody who's going to start a church plant yeah, or, they wanting, or wanting yet. to plant that hasn't launched. Somebody who's in it, which, Travis, you bring that to the table today. And then somebody who has actually had to shut down a location or has quit the ministry or whatever. Or passed on the church. Or pa- like yeah, they, they just shut down or they were like in that. it. Now they're not. And kind of talk about that entire process, which I could bring a lot to the table on that. I think, but if I were really yeah, be open no and honest about, some of that, yeah, no one cares about, nobody cares about me. I do. <laughs> yeah. I do want to get some, some other viewpoints, but, uh, Travis. So do people call you pastor Travis? Uh, every now and then PT. Pastor T. PT yeah. They, do they call no, you PT? they don't call me T. No, no, no they, no, they no. need to. What about Mr. T? No, I'm not big enough. You're tall enough, bro. I'm not big enough. I'm not black enough. For uh, for, <laughs> can we say that on the salty? Yeah, dogs? you can say whatever okay. you want, brother. So, um, you guys don't know this. Maybe if you're watching, I I got to talk about your height, Travis. And I made this joke earlier. He has Nephilim status height. That's he's right. A, yeah. He's a tall dude. Both you and your brother. Your parents must have fed you guys well, man. They did. I mean, we always had Cheetos in the in the uh, pantry. So is that the trick? Dude. It's just you know, it didn't matter what you eat. You just got to keep eating. Sickness. Six foot four with cheesy fingers. Yeah. Oh, there you That's go. That's awesome. So we got Pastor Travis with the District Church. And so you can check out more about their church at the District Church, Wichita.com. I'm sure you can find them on Facebook and Instagram and all that fun stuff. And so uh, tell us just a little bit about, real quick, your context. Tell us about um, the District Church, where you meet, and the community, uh, that, the you're community that you're in. And just kind of give us a uh, State of the Union address. Like, what are you guys doing right now and how are things going? And then after that, I want to dive into why or how you knew you were called to plant. Cool. So have at it, bro. So, Good to have you. Thank you. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Super looking forward to this. Uh, sure. Obviously, when you're in the middle of it, it's a huge passion, and you got you think that you've got perspective on it and all that kind of stuff. But I'm I'm excited just to have the conversation. So we uh, started the district church October 2017. Um, we call it the district church because we're in the Delano district. We have a heart to be a neighborhood church. Um, we say in and for Delano all the time. We really mean that. What we mean by that is that we want to be 
in the neighborhood, but not just doing church in the neighborhood. We also want to be for the neighborhood of Delano. So the businesses, the new baseball stadium, uh, all of the schools, uh, neighbors, you, you, you name it. Like if it's on the ground happening in Delano, we just want to be a part of it. We don't want right. to necessarily run it. We don't want to be the creators of anything. We just want to say, hey, we'd love to come and be a part of you know, any kind of party that's going on, any kind of hangout that's going on, any anything the schools need. Uh, so that's that's been our heart from day one. Um, my brother and I uh, started it together, Brady, uh, and we decided to that if we were really going to live out in and for Delano, we needed to move into the neighborhood. And so I, I live about a block south of where we meet for church. You mean you didn't go to like Augusta? Or uh, you, know, or you, know, like, you know, you know. Actually, the <laughs> the church planning organization I work with, uh, Stadia, uh, amazing organization. But a lot of their motto would be go to neighborhoods that are growing quickly. Right, right. You know, larger populations and find people that are just like you and, and, and go and just plant yourself there. But in our heart of hearts, we wanted to go to a place where you could drive through and not even say a word and just say, this is why we need a church here. And so when we were moving in, we had churches closing down in the neighborhood. Um, and so we, right. we more related to like a Nehemiah who like looked over the wall that surrounded Jerusalem and it was right. all broken down. And we said, this is where we want to lay our lives. Yeah. And, and so that was kind of our heart for going into Delano was we saw a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, death, uh, uh, dying, struggling churches. Um, we saw a landscape that, you know, the meth, uh, uh, a problem in Delano, um, and just center of Wichita. Um, you've got, you've got, uh, so we, we, we're on the ground and just understand the needs of, of Delano big time. Like we mentor a lot in the schools, so Franklin Elementary, West High, Hamilton Middle School, Allison Magnet. Um, we just believe strongly in being a presence for our teachers, for our principals, for our students. Um, and uh, we have in Delano a higher single parent uh, population yeah. in the homes, mm-hmm. higher renter population, so transient community. Um, but we didn't want to come in and be like, hey, we're here to like the saviors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's not our heart. Our heart was like, we want to do everything with you. Um, so go to school with you. Um, yeah. Go to the same gym you, you'd go to. Um, go to the same restaurant. Delano's a food desert. So there's not a grocery store in right. the neighborhood. Uh, but so lots of places to eat out. Lots of places <laughs> to eat out. And they're, they're you know, because they're local, they're a little bit more expensive. And so a right, lot of the right, local right. neighborhood actually doesn't eat in Delano. They go to Brahms. They go to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. But they don't go to uh, the Monarch. They don't go right. down and get dessert. Picasso. You, you or, know, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any of yeah. those places, yeah. Which is super interesting because, I mean, Delano, for those of you guys that, are, you know, aren't in our city, it's a it's a pretty trendy place place like there's i mean when you get past seneca and then it's kind of like some of you know a lot of the revitalization is kind of not really pushing past that but right there's a really trendy part of the well, city what do they call what's gentrification is that what's called gentrification yeah, yeah yeah when when uh a vibrant part of the city kind of moves into a lower income area mm-hmm. it tends to force that lower income even further out mm-hmm. because they can't afford uh rent prices the right. the cost of living goes way up. Right. do you feel like that's true of delana yeah, I think it Ish. is, but I think in the next five years you'll see it happen more and more, more. because landlords are going to spike rent because yeah. they can. Because they can, especially with the stadium going up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and then you see um, there's even a, a whole you know side of the street right next to the stadium where the city's asking a lot of its residents just, hey, we just need you to move <laughs> because we want to take that and make it <laughs> yeah, parking. Right, that's gentrification, right. you know. That's sure. Um, and and so there's there's a there's there's problems coming on on that end, and you already have. 
like West High, it has the highest truancy rate in all of Wichita. So kids just wow. don't go to that. don't yeah. go to school, right? And it's like right across the the uh, the freeway. Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. It's yeah. right there. It's kind of like you you, you almost <clears throat> drive by and you, you you kind of forget like West High is right there. It's just south yeah. of downtown. Yeah. It's right there. It's it's really yeah. in the heart of everything. But mm-hmm. it's but it's got a high truancy rate. Highest, like I said, in in uh, in in USD two five nine. So when we hear when we heard things like that, we were like, a good leader solves problems, and I think good churches do the same. Mm-hmm. I think that's what our whole goal in was, was a neighborhood church. We didn't want to, when we say neighborhood church, we don't mean like we're just in the neighborhood and we just, you know, you can walk here. What we mean yeah. is like, we want to know what's going on in that neighborhood. Sure. Yeah. 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 And we always want to have our ear to the ground so that right. if anybody's like, we're trying to bring solutions to Delano, we want to be a part of the mm-hmm. conversation right. Right. and work with everyone else to, to, to make it happen. Yeah. I, I would say that it, when we were up in the North side of Wichita, we, we kind of took that approach and we, we were that way. Um, for sure. Like more of a neighborhood church than anything. Um, and so, yeah, talk to me about Chris, did you have something? Nope. Okay. I, I want to, I want to know the story, man. Tell me how, cause you know, Christopher and I, we were going to have a, I call him Christopher, Chris, <laughs> uh, we were going to have a conversation at one point about the idea of calling. Because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I feel called to this, I feel called to that, I feel called to this. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of a buzzword. It's, you know, it's the green light we get. Like, I really feel called. Like, I have to go do this, you know. And, and I, I believe there's a lot of sincerity behind that. Um, but anyways, I, I, I want to know, like, how do you know that you were called to start a new church? Like, give me that story. I mean, that's, that, that's a long story. But when I first got married, I've been married eight years. Okay. My wife sat down. I was a youth pastor at the time, and about two months before I get married, she's like, "Hey, I don't want to be. I don't want to be a youth pastor's wife. I want to be a like, church pastor's like, wife." <laughs> I was like, "Cool. <laughs> we still getting married? Because uh, I'm a youth pastor, you know." Yeah. But but that night we prayed about you know God. I think I think something's different for us in the future. And so, about six months into being married, um, we, I was working at Riverlawn Christian Church at the time. Huge shout out to Riverlawn. Yeah. Um, and they actually knew of our heart to go and, and potentially plant with a group of friends of ours in Nagoya, Japan. And so they even oh, wow. helped us get over there to interview with this team. But at the same time, Riverlawn was kind of offering in this uh, discipleship role. And for us, the timing was discipleship role. That's what we were ready for. Yeah. And we were like five or six months into being married. We weren't ready for that huge of a jump. And so that was our first taste of church planting. Now, we went over to Japan, and we saw everybody who, like, I think it's 99.5% of people not Christian. Yeah. I mean, you're talking no one that they hardly know are Christian people. And so everywhere they went, they went to the, when they went to the post office, when they went to the grocery store, when they went to a ball game, it's like on mission all the time. Like, oh, they're, wow. they're leaving their seats to go grab popcorn, and they're they're like, let's pray that we meet, we run into somebody that we could start a conversation with. And I, and I felt like I'm kind of a quiet Christian. Like <laughs> I, I like to go into church and like even be somewhat quiet so that not a lot of people will come up and talk or ask right. questions. Um, you know, and it just, it just convicted me like, man, these people live so intentionally. So I, so I literally, yeah. yeah, I went home and like, and and even made a little painting that said "Live like a church planter," just because I was so convicted and hung up on our living room wall. Yeah. But I but but with full intentions, just to being a discipleship pastor and 
and living more intentionally. So we kind of do that. And then three or four years later, we're like, man, we really continue to feel called. And the church where I was working said, hey, do you are you still feeling that? And I said, yeah, I think we are. And they came behind us and said, let's go through the process of sending us to an assessment. So we went to Vegas for our assessment, which is kind of funny. you know. They basically are like, all right, let's see if they sin. Yeah. That's the <laughs> assessment. They, I mean, they, yeah. they really, they for about a week, they're just pulling back your history, your all past, the uh, all the layers. They're yeah. seeing, they're, they're pulling back your character, but they're also testing your skill. Yeah. So if if you're a crappy preacher, they're gonna they're gonna tell you and they're gonna tell you things you know ways to work on it. And at the end of that week, it's this real big heavy like you're about to meet with people, and they're gonna tell you whether they affirm you, to, uh, and say hey go right now. They give you the yellow light, which is like we we think you should go, but you need a little bit of training or no, you should never church plant. You know, so we got the yellow light because we were like. Uh, we we think that you're a church planter, but we think that you've never been in any church plant circles. I didn't grow up around a church plant. I didn't know what that was until college. Yeah. Um. I I started to get the passion for it after getting married. You know. Were you encouraged or discouraged by that process? I was encouraged by the process. But I was discouraged that it was like, uh, hey, we think you should plant, but you need some time of training. Right. That's what I was discouraged by because I was, you know, I'm like, no, I can go You're right now, home. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I came back and, and we worked it out where I, I was kind of the interim lead pastor at Riverlawn for a summer, and that was my my training, yeah. basically to be a lead. It really wasn't church plant training. More like but senior pastor kind of training. Right, right. 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 It's really hard to get that church plant training. But I would say this as far as... It's a roundabout way to get to that calling question. For us, we felt called by God. And I always believe when you're called vertically, he always affirms it horizontally. Right. The people of God always affirm the call. Mm-hmm. And so if I ever hear somebody tell me that they're called to do something, I would say, I, I know that God told you that, or you believe God told you that. Who else told you that? Who else came along and affirmed it? Who, who, who in your life did you ask specifically and say, do you see this in me? And they said, without a doubt, we do or we don't, that kind of thing. And we had, I had a lady, uh, strange, the strangest occurrences happen. You know, I had a lady come up after I, I preached one Sunday uh, and she said, hey, I think you should start churches. And I thought she was just being very nice and just being complimented. Right, like, right, like, yeah. Just giving a compliment. Yeah. Um, turns out she was in town to do a perspectives class in Newton, and she'd been planting churches for like 30 years. So I was like, oh, Crazy. man, there's some weight to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another guy that when I first started interest in Japan, he now worked for, for Mustard Seed in New York, and he had emailed me, hey, are you are you still inter- interested in planting? Because I'd love for you to you know, pick a city and we'll, 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 we'll be your organization, you know, that kind of thing. So there was multiple things like that happening, but there was also on the local level, elders and pastors that I respected who said, we see this in you mm-hmm. and we will get behind you. Sure. And so this is where I think we get too much, and I'm 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 probably more on this than I probably should be, but one of the most dangerous lines in the church is God told me. I, I, I struggle with that line a lot because I think in scripture it's not some it, it's a supernatural thing to have happen, but I don't think it's an isolated incident that no one has the know on. I think the entire church has to be a part of that process and I think it has to be affirmed on a lot of different levels. I think the call, it's not just the voice of God telling me to go, it's the people affirming it. And then it's the people not just affirming and saying, we can see that. 
Because my question back to them is, if you can see me being a church planter, will you back me with your support? And if they don't back me with their support, either like, prayerful, it's almost like financial, it's or something, right? Like it, we we live in the American Idol generation where you go and and try out for American Idol and you don't find out that you're a bad singer until you're in front of judges because your parents and your friends never told <laughs> yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and so as right. a planter, you want as many people to be as honest with you as you can and not just affirm saying, yeah, you're a great preacher or yeah, you're a great leader. Yeah. But I support you to the point where I will put my money where my mouth is. Mm-hmm. That's affirmation of the call. For sure. I will join your team. That's affirmation of the call. I think they're much more substantial examples of how God affirms the call than just a, a spirit movement. Is that, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, you guys can push sense. back on that. That's just my opinion on how the call goes. And I see a lot of guys get into planting because they felt the call, but they never saw it. They never saw the call affirmed through the people of God and through uh, an organization and right, through. Right, right. I can, I can, I can understand. I can understand that. You know, I mean, we know. We just had a conversation the other day. I was talking to, to a buddy of mine, and I think we even talked about this yesterday, or it was yesterday. We got together for lunch. I think on the other part of the table, we had a conversation um, about about calling and uh, and about like planting a church, and we we got on this topic of of like. You know, how do you know that you failed or it was a failure or something like that? So right. we started to get along this topic and, and uh, a question I think my buddy, my buddy Kyle, that's actually, he might be still watching, um, brought up to me. He asked me, he's like, you know, if, if somebody feels like they're called to do something, does that mean that it's going to be successful? Kinda, yeah, right. Like, does that mean that like, can God call you to do something or is that just like us putting our expectations on what that call is like is right. it possible to to answer some sort of call and it's not going to have the payout that you think it's going to have or it's going to go the direction that you think it's going to go that doesn't negate the calling it just right. it just we assume that that means like if i'm called I, it's it's almost like you know like when you drift or 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 you uh you get behind a car what do they call that and you're like drift drip well, Draft. no, drafting yeah like there's like the Yep. Okay, so you're like riding behind them and they're taking all the resistance. It's almost like if you answer the call, it's like, I'm going to be behind God. And he's, it's like, I'm almost on this fast track and everything I touch is going to succeed mm-hmm. and it's just going to take off. And, and it's often, I'm, well, I don't want to say it's often not that way, but it normally doesn't look that way for a lot of people, at least in the way that they have it maybe fantasized or, or the, you know, they thought it was going to be like glamorized, glamorized. Maybe that's a better word for it. One time. Right. Glamorizing ministry. But this idea is going to be this thing. And then it's not this idea of of call idealism. And yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there were things that I thought I definitely felt called to do earlier in my life. And I don't know if those were necessarily me just feeling real good about it or, or having a spiritual high from a camp or from a retreat or, or something, you know, but I mean, I definitely can own that I might have at some point in my life misheard or read like God's like, I didn't tell you to do that. That's all you like. That's your desire. I Nope. I'll be there for you. But I did not tell you to to go and start yeah, that, you know, so, Bible study or whatever. So so you bring up a good uh, segue point. What do you think is what maybe don't make a statement that is going to be a blanket statement, but for you and maybe the Lord has revealed this to you or those around you, whatever conversation you have, what is your idea of a successful church plan? Like you look at uh, the district church and, and you are saying, man, you know what? I feel like we're having some success right now. Like, mm-hmm. what does that look like? The word I use for success, I, and I think it's a kingdom 
it's a kingdom mindset for success is is faithfulness. Okay, good. Faithfulness is is the is the benchmark for success, and mm-hmm. faithfulness doesn't always look like what the world would deem successful. Okay, yep. But I do counterweight that with what I think most Christian leaders lack is the ability to succeed or or, or lead well in a results driven environment. Yes. We do not want to, we want to grow, but we don't want to be in a results driven environment where there's accountability toward you need to do this or it's, it's, we're not going to keep going after it. And there's a, there's a tension there between I've got to be faithful and, and, and then, uh, uh, results driven in some way, shape or form. What do you, I, like, I like the word counterweight that you use there. I think that's what do you think is the best word. way to navigate that? Because I'll just tell you, like I, I was uh, very very results. Like we wanted the full building. We wanted to hit the number. We you know we need to have this much giving by this amount of time, which means we have to have this many people. And we want this many people in groups, and there were metrics that that drove us. But again, we shut down a location. And our last Sunday, we had 138 people in the in the building. So, like, you know, we yeah. that's where I come from. So I know that life. And so, what essentially what the Lord taught me after that situation was exactly what you said. Yeah, is that I I measured as faithfulness, right? Ezekiel, he was given a mandate by God to go and speak to a stubborn people, and he was successful in living out what the Lord called him to do. And he was actually successful in not reaching the people with the message, the way that God told him that he would reach them. Right. Right. So that expectation of success in that instance, it fails every time because he wasn't, God wasn't saying you're going to go preach to a million stubborn, hard hearted people and they're going to repent. Well, you, you, you live, we live, not, not you, we live in a culture right now where there's one measure of success that's visible to the eye and the common churchgoer, and that is, are you big? Right. That is it. Right. Like right. they, and, and many people say, well, but it's, it's also about, uh, you know, new life in the Lord and all, all those kinds of things. But there is a, but how big are you? How big are you? How many are you running? Travis? How, that's exactly right. Which is the most scary question. Any church planter can get asked whenever a church planter is asked that question. It's like, Oh gosh, let me bring up all the kingdom things I can bring up and not talk about. Well, that let me one first, thing. let me tell you what God did in our life group <laughs> yeah, this last week. Yeah. This yeah. lady was possessed and we yeah. delivered her. And, and yeah, so in that, <laughs> that's just a random, thing but it, but in that culture it's we really hard legion in group last week oh, it's man. really hard to be faithful to your original mission when that's the common metric and so there has to be this over communication of our vision our value mm-hmm. what we really and and right. and not even so i love like church planters are guys who they call themselves visionaries but visionaries are few and far between Church planters are just people who are the the, the vision. They're literally right? the they're, carriers. No, of the yeah, if Elon Musk right. started a church, I'd be like, that guy's a visionary. Vision, right, right, right. I mean, yeah. those kind of guys. I mean, and 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 it's not that you know we can't, but but most of us are just kind of picking up the scraps of other people's table and trying to do our best with moving it forward as creatively mm-hmm. as we can. Right. That doesn't make us visionaries. Sure. It it, it could make us faithful, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. I think that's that's the big thing for me is that I'm called to be faithful, and so in our context. 
for us to be successful, it's butts and bucks. We have to we have to be answering the community's problems. Right. We have to be at the table for those kinds of things. So our community relationships have to be killer. Um, we have to we have to preach the truth in order to edify and grow our people um, at the at like at the same time, and that those two things actually correlate. Right. That that the people who are growing understand and realize the greater need for the community, and that those two things are marrying. I'm hitting this thing. No, like that's all the fine. time. You, no, yep. Go ahead. Uh, that, you go. I totally lost my thought when you interrupted me. Sorry. You're fine. I was getting, I was going back to this idea of faithfulness. So I. I am of the the belief or the thought process. So so what happened for me is like when when we shut that whole thing down, we pretty quickly felt the Lord tell us. Now the the phrase that was given to my wife and then I was like of course and then everybody around us was just like yeah, that's exactly what needs to happen. Was we ended up kind of relaunching, rebranding kind of with the the people that called themselves our friends and spiritual family. And so then we started the source, but the phrase was we need to get our people back together and not our people as in, you know, they're ours, but you know, our community of faith, like, you know who they are, you Mm -hmm. know, who's close, right. You know, who's grown with you, you know, who's been around who's friends and you know, you're hanging out, not just at group and on Sunday mornings. Right. So um, that was what we felt we needed to do. And so we moved forward in that and started the source, but I did what I knew how to do. And I started a service with that. Mm. And, uh, and so we ended up doing Sunday nights, but during that time, the Lord was really messing with me and I was struggling with that idea of success as a church plant. Mm -hmm. I expected that we would relaunch and then it'd be like what we left and it wasn't. Yeah. Um, Can we, can we talk about expectations? Well, I want to say two things. Oh, well, yeah. You finish your thought. Yeah. Hold on to expectations. Yeah. Um, what I was getting at was I realized and what, what I believe now is that the Lord he he's gifted us right gifts of the spirit um romans uh 12 spiritual gifts that kind of thing uh, kind of thing that kind of thing Te- that kind of thing uh <laughs> teaching leading i was getting ahead of myself um you know that kind of stuff and so anyways i believe that um god makes us a certain person and he gifts us in a certain way and that context never dictates that gift the mm. gift gets placed into a context. And so right yeah, now that's good. your context is church planning. Praise God. You, right. You've planted this community church, this neighborhood church. You guys are growing. You're moving into a building. Like things are happening. You're being faithful right now. But if you strip all that away, you're still Travis with right. the spirit of God on yeah. you called to go teach and lead and preach and care and disciple and love. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. you could strip away it that that exterior or the context mm-hmm. and you're still who you are yeah. and that's what he taught me and i think that's a and a very important thing that i think maybe some church planners missed and that i certainly missed is that i thought that my worth and my value was found in my pastor jason church planner right, situation right. but that even extends into people who are not just church planners but also just on staff at a church you know Anybody. like it, it just anyone in ministry it, it's there's there's this like holy I don't know what to call it, like almost this holy chip that can come on our shoulders when we answer the call of ministry, because here's why we've talked about this, because it's when anytime you're dealing with like eternity and like someone's going to, it's the most important thing like it. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to then like just put all your chips in on that. And I know, man, so many pastors, I, I myself at several points in, in, you know, 
being in ministry have gotten caught up in in identity and you know losing myself and becoming about what I'm doing for God and and all of that stuff and and letting that drift and and I think there's always this gravitational pull that's like pulling you towards that um, and so you have to really try hard to 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 stay focused and centered on like okay. I'm not just this pastor or this next steps for like, I have an identity and it's in Christ and it's not just this thing. So it's like, you really have to focus hard because I think quite frankly, like there is a ministry monster and it will eat you up if you allow it. Like the kukui, it's the ministry monster. But but there's always this pull, but you have to stay. And that's with anything, you know, like you got to stay focused on Jesus, which sounds so silly to say as a pastor, but well, and, and your best ministry will always happen not in a role, but in relationship. And you can't right. be in real relationship unless you are being yourself. And so that's the best ministry. If if you are playing a role, you will play the job, and, and you, you can coast in that. Oh, yeah. But your best ministry, your most influence is relationship time. So like this building Absolutely. time, yeah. the, like where we're kind of working on this building. And by the way, it's not like we're, go- we're jumping into this building because... We're like, we've outgrown Franklin where we're at. It's because we can keep running about the same and we can make a building prettier, more useful to the families uh, 24-7 than just being in one sure. school. So it, it, it affects the whole neighborhood. Well, it becomes a tool that you have access to right. all the time rather than you can use this hammer on Sundays right. from 10 to 12. But I think sometimes we would look and say, well, all the building work that we've been doing is about getting us to the final, like, like like day but i i have savored showing up at the building with a few guys and the relationships we've built sure. right and, and planting right. i have yeah. savored that's huge i've yeah. sa- i've savored the setup time mm-hmm. where right. these just just having like conversation and building trust and actually going through a journey with people that that those are the kinds of times in planting that i think a lot of times we planters we miss you, or you because, take for granted or you dread like i can't wait till we're not setting up these banners or this system right, or this all that stuff. right right and so, and so savoring the opportunity for us to have those real relational times is is so key because ministry is relationship for sure we, we right. call it ministry just because we that's 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 what we're most comfortable yeah, with yeah. but it's relationship. Have you heard of uh, Alan Hirsch? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Alan Hirsch, he actually talks about community, but he uses the word communitas, mm. which is exactly what you're talking about. And he just, he says, it's that idea that um, people build relationship around uh, accomplishing something together. Right, right. So like if you and I, we go to church on Sunday together and maybe we say hi in the foyer. Yeah, that's cool. But if you call me over the weekend cause you get a flat tire and I show up and I change your tire with you and then I get you home safely, we just shared an experience and accomplished right. something yeah. together. Yeah. That's exactly what you're talking about yeah. is that, that relationship idea, right? Like yeah. you can fill the role, but I, you know, I feel like the people that are with us today are the people that we truly built relationship with. Yeah. You know, and there were people who just attended and there are people who I still run into that I don't see all the time, but they still call me pastor Jason. So in their minds, I'm still pastor Jason from when I was their pastor, but I'm not necessarily somebody that I hang out with, you know, they hang out with on the weekends. You know what I mean? Yep. 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 I think when you can shift your viewpoint, I just, and I mean, and I got to give the district church props because I think that you guys have done a phenomenal job of 
you know, for anybody that may be listening, that's like, oh, good, good answer, Travis. You know, of course, like being faithful and, you know, like (laughs) in like, are we really in the sit? Like, but no, I mean, I've, I've sit back and watched you guys for, you know, two years, live this out, be in and for your, you know, your, your part of town, your community. And I mean, it's the real deal. It's, it's real stuff. And, and so I think that, the success that you guys have had success, you know, air quotes, right. like yeah. the, w- the people that God has brought into your community and under, you know, your pastorship, you leveraging those moments, the setup and tear down, the working in the building, all that stuff, instead of just accomplishing a task, realizing like, no, discipleship happens in the thousands of little moments that we have with one another. It also, it can happen other ways too, but it can also be utilized when you're swinging a hammer or putting up insulation or doing all of yeah. these other things. Well, let me, let me say this about the success word too, on a, on a kind of a different angle when it comes to planting, here's, here's just an observation. And, and I don't know if it's a Wichita thing or if it's a national thing, but I think we force planters to be so terrified of success because the plans that they come up with, are not good plans. I think there are many planters who have bad plans. And sometimes what I've seen is they're forced into bad plans because they're forced into very small runways to do something incredibly hard. I always look at church planting as like, that is the hardest thing to do yeah. in ministry. I even have guys who are in business who are like, dude, I started my own company. Like I started four companies and they're all doing well how do you start a church? Like, how do you, how do you get that thing going? Mm -hmm. It's so hard, but it seems like what we've done is we've taken the hardest thing to do and we've said, we'll give you three years to do it. Mm -hmm. We'll let you talk to a few people to help you do it. Right. And we want to see results immediately. Yeah. And we'll give you this much money to do it, but you have to be self-sustaining after year two. Right. And, and so what I think that is, is not an, that's not a, that's not a kickback to the church to say, Hey church, you're really messing up. I think it's a kickback to the planters to say, go back and build relationships Mm -hmm. and get a church, get two, get three Mm -hmm. that really back you and go into them and, and talk about, I'm in this for the long haul, but we need a long runway. We don't need one, two, or three-year plans. We need five, six, and seven-year plans. Because the failure rate for planting right now is is year five, six, and seven. That's that's where we're seeing a lot of the... Because these plants are getting up even. Some of them are are seeing some success. They'll bob along. But that that mode in in, in the life of the church where they're close to, you know, that maybe that 200 number or... Or or there or there it's 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 fewer people but they've got su- uh, substantial giving. Yeah. Um, all the so- when that church planting honeymoon season kind of wears off, mm-hmm. the people that were with them from the start end up going back to uh, existing churches because it feels more church like to them. Yeah. Instead of sticking with the mission, and so so there has to be I I think a partnership between the planter and existing churches to say, we are going to be a part of this. If the, if the existing church is not a part of church planting in Wichita, then it's going to continue to be whatever you want to call it, a graveyard. It's going to be tough ground to tread. Would you, would you refer to Wichita as maybe taking on an identity uh, of a graveyard for church planting? 
Maybe not like a, but do you think it's a phrase that someone could use to accurately describe it? Maybe not an identity. Yeah, but I I think that it could be, but I think that in any city you go and you're going to find a community of people that think that that city is a graveyard for church planting because church planting is just, it's just hard. Now, I do think, so I had a, uh, one of the guys on our management, Alex Gilpin, he was in Wichita for a lot, uh, for quite a while, but he's planted a church up in the, on the north side of Kansas City. And he told me uh, at Exponential one year, we're sitting in these pews and he just said, he just said, man, cause he, 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 he knew that we were kind of getting the itch. Yeah. And he said, just FYI, Wichita is about 10 years behind Kansas City. Because uh-huh. Kansas City, like you go up there and there's church planters, they're they're pretty, they're all over the place. Right. A lot of great organizations, a lot of great churches are backing them. A lot them. of community, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so he said, but the, but but Wichita is ten, fifteen years behind because Wichita hasn't bought into the the research that suggests that church planting is the best way to reach people far from God. Yeah, right. And 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 just across the board, we've not bought into that. Right now, Wichita is bought into other forms of, you know, spiritual conversation and spiritual activity right. instead of, you know, what church planting is the thing we need, right? right? And and so how let to me ask process you, that. Let me ask you a question based on this. Then, so when when you're saying church planting, tell me how that's different from just starting a service. So we said this. One of the the first things we said with our our launch team. And again, we had a long runway. Like I love church planning is so hard. Yeah. And we had as many tools as you could have to do it well, to do it right. Yeah. And that's from Riverlawn, right? That's yeah. that's from them saying so you had a, that's from them resourcing us and giving us autonomy. Yeah. Which is what I'm finding out is crazy. I mean, they're basically right? giving you rep. Like they're giving you their street cred. Like we believe in them. Absolutely. Like right. we trust them, we support them. But all they of that. but they also didn't like lord anything over us yeah yeah like there was no hey i see you guys doing this on social media and i don't know i don't that we don't want that to represent us or you know over here like they they just kind of let us let us have that autonomy that's Mm -hmm, huge mm -hmm. because i think if you've got if you've got a, a a leader who's got a team and is resourced and you say i am encouraging you to go do this right Man, that sparks creativity, that sparks passion, that sparks security, which you need a little bit. Like planters are a little crazy. Like you got to right. be a little you got to have some risk in right. you to do it. Right. No matter what. So, but you you got to have that 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 backing. So there are plenty so of many questions there, there are have. plenty of church services happening on Sunday mornings. Oh, right, let me say right. this. So, so we said this to that. our launch team. Yeah. Cuz we had cuz we had 35 people coming from a church uh-huh. and they went from a church service, really well done church service. And sure. then they started meeting in a coffee shop on Sunday mornings and we were not doing like church service. Right. We were like training and equipping for six months for mm-hmm. ministry. Mm-hmm. And we told them all the time, mm-hmm. just this one liner, we're planting a church, not a church service. Good. And as we're telling them that they, that's, that was like a good one liner the first time they heard it, but it become a rallying cry five and six months down the road to remember, hey, remember the why here? What's the difference between a church and a church service? And they began to understand, well, the Mm -hmm. church does the ministry. The church does the equipping. The church is the people that are, that are, uh, that are mentoring the kids, that are raising uh, uh, parents and families uh, holistically. They're they're the ones that are sending and go, all those kinds of yeah, things. Dude, that, so that's that's, that's, that's a big huge deal. because I mean you look at 
I mean, it's almost where you guys shifted your focus. You're like, hey, this is an aspect of what we're doing, and it's going to come, and we're going to start a service, and that that will be a thing that we do. But, I mean, dude, I, and this is going to sound probably a lot more negative than I want it to sound, but, I mean, I follow church planners. I'm friends with church planners, and, and, I mean, even new church planners that follow me from Kansas City that are getting ready to kick off, and I got looped into their, you know, ad thing, and I follow them just because I'm, I'm interested to see how they do things. And so much of the strategy is all geared towards pointing the finger towards the service, like this big thing is coming. And, right. and so, but what you're saying is that that was going to be part of what you guys were doing, but it's like, hey, you almost, in some ways, pulled people back and took them out of this environment to where they could consume and and allowed them to like reshift their thinking, almost reconstruct their views of what the church is. Hey, the church isn't the service. It's, it's we are gathering together. We're going to equip you. This is the thing to come. It's, the goal isn't the service. The goal is, is right. you know, being in our community so, and gathering, rallying the community. All so, that so let's talk about real quick. I wanted to ask you this question and I, I like, I've asked Christopher this question before and it's one of my favorite things to answer is um what ultimately what do you want for people look look at how talented i am right now that's really good i, um, I gave you that a bad time i stayed on the mic and poured water yeah ultimately what do you want for people so like you know bottom of the funnel essentially um you know maybe they i don't know how did i want to frame it even what, if, what's even your if, goal like what's your goal yeah, for people like right like I mean, obviously, you would love for people to plug in and find community and no G. Like, what is the ultimate thing that you want for people when they come to district church or interact with anybody in your your church family, your spiritual family? Yeah, man, that's a that's that's a question. As soon as I hear it, I'm, I'm like processing. I'm like, there's so many different answers, and so I'm overwhelmed by the <laughs> answers. I'm like, uh, well, if you if you just if say you don't know all. what to say, just say salvation. Right, that's yeah. the best answer. Jesus. I, I want them to um, because ultimately this is what you're inviting them to. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Right. I, I want them to. I want them to see the church. I want them to see the 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 church um, as a piece of the community that they're called to then go and help. And so the community at large that we live in and the community that we that we're a part of as the church. I want those two things to be synonymous. Mm-hmm. And I want there to be. I always want people mm-hmm. to. Like this, this will sound cliche and, and, and whatever, but I want people to have a relationship with Jesus in real life, right? In real yep. life, yep. in real relationships and real conversations. Right. Like I take a uh, second Corinthians five twenty one, where we're like, we love the new creation piece, but we, that ambassador piece, we get a little uncomfortable with mm-hmm. like, and, and, and we tell our church, like the ambassador is a badge you don't ever take off. Mm-hmm. You follow Jesus in real life. So when you're in the coffee shop, when you get angry, when you get cut off, when you lose your job, when you get a job, like you're following him in real life. And so the question is always, how would, how would Jesus live this out when he got a raise? Mm-hmm. How would Jesus mm-hmm. live, live this out when he lost his job? How would Jesus live this out if he's broke? You know, I mean, right. all those kinds of things. So like just follow Jesus in real life. Because mm-hmm. what I'm doing is trying to follow Jesus in, in the real life I have right now. And that's church planting in Delano, that's living in Delano, that's being always around the Midtown area. It's just like follow Jesus in real life. Follow Jesus with my wife when I go home, mm-hmm. when I'm around my kids, <clears throat> right. uh, when I'm here at this with you guys. It's just right. to, to follow Jesus in real life. And I, I so, think that's So, I mean, you want key. people to just live out their faith. I mean, essentially, like, hey, just don't come and just plug in and just and ch- do the checklist. Like, live this stuff out, like, everywhere you go. 
Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I just, I, I think that's, I think that's key. Um, um, and that'd be my desire is that you'd walk into a group of people that are following Jesus in real life, and not the, not the like ethereal following Jesus in my heart. Right. Like following Jesus, I think is a very you, you see it. You, There's fruit. You, you see it by people showing up to the service, and and we don't over prioritize our service, but we do prioritize it. We, we see it by people serving, by people giving, by people sharing their faith, um, uh, by people in close-knit community. That's a, that's a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing those things, even right. though those are activities, you're probably not following Jesus at some level. There's probably a, a level of unbelief in your life where you're saying, <laughs> it's just not for me right now. I'm, I'm not all in on that. And so, mm-hmm. uh, so that's what I'd want people to walk into and then be a part of, that I could actually do this in my real life, follow him. Right. And, and I think, and I'm going to say this, and I'm not saying that you weren't implying this, but I think it's worth saying that when you're saying follow Jesus, it's, it's him leading. So I would say, you know, follow, you would say follow Jesus in um, loving your wife. And I would say, um, have Jesus lead you in the way you follow your life, right? Like it's this, it's saying the same thing right. with just a different kind of like, how is Jesus leading you to love your wife? How is yeah. Jesus leading you to have conversation at the coffee shop? Because I think that oftentimes we can get stuck in the task of, or in the thought process of, well, what would Jesus do? And we've said before, I think it's possible to mimic the actions of Jesus and actually miss his heart behind it. And so Jesus cultivating a heart for people within you so that, you know, it's not that I don't think Jesus had to like force himself to be who he was. And I think sometimes we try and force ourselves to be who we think Jesus wants us to be right. versus allowing that transformation to happen or saying, yeah, do, do that in me. Cause there's times where I don't want to be nice to my wife. Yeah. And so when that happens, you know, I will do it like fake it till you make it kind of thing, but I'm going, I'm going in prayer and saying, God, that was ugly. Yeah. Like that is a nasty part of my heart. Why is that still there? Well, we, Deal with that on a heart level. We wrestle with belief in such a different way than they did when they walked with Jesus. Like right. Peter used to disagree with Jesus, but still believe him. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like seriously. Like, so agreement and belief are two different things. Right? So like, so okay. take, uh, so, so Luke 5, uh, Jesus says, cast your nets out. Luke, Peter's washing his nets and he says we've been working at this all night we haven't taken anything he does not agree he's about to Mm -hmm. catch a boatload of fish but he says but because you say so i'll do it yeah so his thing was first you don't speak back to a rabbi like that (laughs) you don't say like like we take obedience like this like we hear a sermon like let's go discuss it and jesus like no you go do it go do it you know what i mean like we're we're so weird on that we're let's talk about what it looks like instead of no no no, just go do it that's funny like i can get rid of your small groups ministry if you just do it an obedience yeah. ministry. It's like, yeah, he says, ca- ca- cast your net. And then he's just like, well, let's talk about the actual process of casting nets. And yeah, why yeah. would Jesus we cast it? Like, yeah. Just cast How do you fit? Net, Peter. Yeah, right. The Greek word for net. Yeah. yeah. But, he, but he does it. And so he like doesn't agree that, because he's like, you're a carpenter. You make tables and chairs. You can't tell me to go where fish. I'm supposed to go Stay fish. in your lane, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay in your lane. No, seriously. <laughs> but but he believes him because he he does it. He actually obeys. And yeah. he throws the net over and he pulls it back and he catches so much fish. They have to get another boat to come help. And then right. Peter goes to his knees at Jesus' uh, feet and just like doesn't even show his face like, away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and, and so like, like we always think we have to transform and then obey, but for following Jesus in the Bible with discipleship, transformation happened as you obeyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, sure. and, and that's the thing we, 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 we kind of lose, I think sometimes in the church where we say, um, you know what? You'll be transformed and then you'll obey. We should be telling people you can obey and you don't even believe or you don't agree, mm-hmm. but you can do the things God has said, and right. there's going to be transformation that takes place in well, that activity. It's like with kids. You say, clean your room, clean your room, and then they do it begrudgingly, but they do it because you've yelled at them 15 times. But then the day that they clean the room when you haven't asked them, right. and then they come to you with mm-hmm. joy and say, I clean my room, come look at it. You're like, yeah. what? Yeah. You know? And, <laughs> and that's like, that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. You know? I yeah. have a question. I've been sitting on it. Sit on so it. Take, take it away. No, I don't want to sit on it. I want to take it out. Well, that's what I, I mean. want us to discuss it. Um, okay, so let's talk about expectations. Um, okay. And and we'll get a little vulnerable here. Or maybe not vulnerable, just honest. I feel like we've been honest. Let's talk about expectations with, with church planting and, and, and like, you know, you're prepping, you're doing the launch team meetings, you're doing all this stuff, you know, we, there's confirmation in the call, and this is just speaking to any planter, you know, who, who's gone down the path. Like, you've done the right things, you've gone through the assessment, you've, you've taken the advice, and, and now, you know, you're closing in on launch Sunday, and, and there's nothing but expectation you know, of expecting the best thing, you know, like what, it, how many people are we going to have? Are we going to have a hundred? How many chairs do we set up? Like what, what do, what do we do? And, and, and then going and launching and then maybe it not being what you hoped for less than what you hoped for. I know that, you know, when we launched Living Water Church, people, you could look at our team and go, man, God stack the deck here. Like he's put some great leaders here. There, there's, this is amazing. This is going to be so good. We have support. We have amazing um, men, pastor, church planners who are pouring into us and investing in us, advising us, guiding us, and it not doing what we thought it would do. I mean, and I'll just be super honest. We thought we'd at least have a hundred people, like at opening Sunday. Like that didn't happen, and 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 we we didn't trend upwards the way that we wanted or that we expected to. Not even the way that we wanted to. And so, how as a church planner, number one, I want to ask you, what kind of expectations did you have, if any, for when right. the district church launched? Like, and then how did those expectations? contrast reality or, or, or were they met or were they the same thing? Or? So, so remember that part. So, so what were our expectations? Because okay. I, because as you're talking, like, I love that part about church planting, even though it's, it's one of the crappiest parts yeah. <laughs> because I never had to deal with expectations when I was in an, an existing church ministry. I, I shouldn't say never. It's an absolute, you know, not often that I have to deal with expectations. I right. never once working for an existing church stood out in the parking lot. I was like, man, I hope someone shows up. Yeah. Never had that. Right. I've I done always, that. Uh, you know, but, <laughs> no, I mean, I have too. Yeah. But, but yeah. as a church planter, you know, uh, we had our launch Sunday and that's terrible. That's so terrifying it's scary. because you have this, you, you've been building for this launch day and and you're like, man, just hoping like people will come through the door and people show up and it's like, okay, expectations met. I can go in and, and preach right, or I can right. go in and do what I need to do that morning. Yeah. But then the next Sunday, which this is like national research is like, whatever you have on launch day, you're yeah, going to have half, half that the second week. Yeah. Which is really? literally what, yeah, that's like, that's it's, literally it's what pretty, happened yes. to us. That that's a pretty, ha- that's that a pretty fair statistic. 
That's because you're not, sexy. Not when we started up north. Everyone wanted you to be their baby daddy. <laughs> you're a single guy. That's true. I was, I was a single pastor uh, back then. That might have had to do with some of the uh, female my, There you go. There was just, there you he, go. His congregation was 90% single moms. I don't know what it was. <laughs> but, th- but that, what I was going to say, broken expectations is a perfect place to forge great character. Mm. because I agree 100% and and too often we look at expectations and we just sit in it and and we we process it and this is like what you were saying before Jason about like expectations ends up hurting us at a deep level because we've identified we've put our identity in being a successful church planter right and so why are expectations broken because that part of us that we've put out didn't get the affirmation it was looking for, right. mm. but Travis wasn't broken. Yeah, no one, no one was saying, "Hey, we don't want to come because we don't like you, Travis." You, right. right, right. But, but I put that in my head, and so some of our expectations come from our inability to, to put our identity in the right place. Right. Oh, I agree one hundred percent. And wrestle with it that way. So, but, but man, God really. Like expectations is just something that he's just worked out in me and and said like you know um, deal I'll take with this a double dose of that please no it just <laughs> and, and, and and those are just moments I think just a little prayers like God I don't know what to expect today I just don't know what to expect um, but whoever comes to the door thank you because you you're bringing them in right. Um, and no matter what it is, and don't let my eyes get focused on, you know, every planter has the Monday blues mm-hmm. where you're dealing with some of the rough, like, okay, you always think about attendance. You're always looking at, at, at some sort of line. Uh, Margaret money. didn't show up again in the nursery right? <laughs> you have to have a conversation. You know, what used to drive me the craziest. I don't know how you feel about this is on Sunday morning, early in the morning, getting all the text messages from the people who can't be there that day. Yeah. It, they just, hey, I can't do this. Can't. I would rather just, they just didn't show I up would just, just to text me. Instead of, yeah. And you know they were doing it out of a, you know, they wanted, oh, I can't make it. I'm so sorry. You know, they yeah. were yeah. genuinely sorry. But it was like one after the other. And I'm like, oh, and it's that's, driving me crazy. That's true of existing churches. They have the same exact thing. Yeah. Even the most successful churches in Wichita right now, I guarantee mm-hmm. you their children's staff, their volunteer staff for mm-hmm. Sunday mornings mm-hmm. has the same thing happen every mm-hmm. week where they're dealing with volunteers who last minute don't show up yeah never told them it's just plants feel it more because mm-hmm. we don't have backup right and backup and right. backup and backup you're the tech yeah. dude yeah. man Everybody's no one knows in. how to run that soundboard yeah. but you yeah. it's true bro <laughs> yeah so you Gosh. feel it you feel it yeah, a whole lot more so we we had the same ex- expectations probably that that any planter would have you know we we expected i think when we started i was expecting like 300 people we had 175 i think yeah and on launch Sunday? On launch Sunday. Yeah. 175. Yeah. 175 on launch Sunday. Yeah. But but I was expecting but, more than that. And then that. did you guys drop to, what, 85? Dr- yeah, next? literally. It was like 86, I really? think, was our following yeah. Sunday, which, wow. which, first of all, like, it's crazy because there, there's, there's this weird tension in planting where it's like, only 86? 86! 86. <laughs> right. And, right. And, 86. and then, and Dude, then that, we just kind of so incrementally good that grown you, from that. That you could have that, that mindset because, and, and, Granted, I'm probably speaking from a place of like, we're speaking from experience, but the paradigm that we were in, what happened? You know, there was, there was almost this, this pressure to perform. So there were expectations and there was this, what did you do? What didn't you do right? Did you not have a strong enough social media presence this week? Did you this, did you that? And so that type of mental, those mental gymnastics that you have to Mm -hmm. go through to like Mm -hmm. almost, it's almost like there's, you have, you can't help, but 
rate, rate yourself up with God. Like, oh man, if, if, you know, the authority in my life is feeling this way, is God feeling this way? You know, is this, and so it, it's, it's extremely vulnerable for church planners. You know, you spend all this hype. It's all you post about. Your friends are blocking you. Like you're a third uh, multi-level <laughs> marketer. It's like, all you talk about, you have the thing, you're posting all the pictures right. and then everyone's waiting to see a crowd shot opening Sunday. Like yeah. how many people were there? How many people were there? And you're mm-hmm. like, we only had 85. And you're over here like, 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 we had 85. Like, that's amazing. You know, like, and and, and so the question that I want to get to and that I want to ask planters, because let's just be on it. I mean, well, maybe not. Maybe you're a rare breed, but I feel like the majority of planters feel like if God is bringing me to it, he's going to bring me through it. He's going to blow the doors down. We got the, the, you know, the sky's the limit and he's going to do something huge and something big. But, but if he brings a hundred or 50 or 75, then that's exactly what God wanted. But isn't the, isn't that bad theology? Yeah. I mean, isn't it? <laughs> I would say yes. No, I'm, I, I'm, I, and I don't mean that's your theology. That's right. why he brought the book. Yeah, that's I why know. Jason brought the book out. It's in here. It's chapter five. <laughs> no, but that, that, that's the same. You did read it. Like on some level, that's like the reward theology that your obedience right. means a reward's coming. And, and, and reward is something that Jesus talks about in the future that mm-hmm. reward comes, uh, nothing goes unnoticed and uh, ungiven, right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, we have, t- we have more examples in the Bible of a successful prophet going out and just being crushed mm-hmm. than we yeah, have no of, of, them winning. of right. the picture of what you just said. Yeah, right, right. Like, I followed, where's the crowd? Jeremiah. Yeah, like... Eat that poop, Jeremiah. Right. It was Ezekiel. <laughs> oh, <it's>, whatever. <laughs> They're all, they all ate their poop. Jeremiah <laughs> just <laughs> wept over the people <laughs> not oh, turning. But but then that that all that always like leads me back to the that faithful word of like what is it that we're called to be faithful to? Because if I'm called to ha- if I'm called to be faithful to bring a big crowd and that big crowd doesn't happen, then God's going to talk to me about why weren't you faithful to bring in that crowd? And I'll be like, man, God, I, I still know I didn't know how to make that happen, right. and I don't think that's on His checklist for us. I would say not. I think that if 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 the crowd comes though then it's the same thing that's on his checklist. Were you faithful to my word? If mm-hmm. Paul was sitting in the audience, would he get up and say, that's exactly what I meant? Right. Right. Those kinds of things are right, what, right. what we're called to be faithful to, but we put certain things on ourselves that God didn't put on us. You know, um, that's absolutely correct. I was, I had a lot of works based religion on me when I moved here to, to help start this location that we started in 2011. Um, and it was me like, I'm going to do this for God. Like I'm, I'm finally answering the call. I'm finally going to be the man that God wants me to be. I'm yeah. finally obeying. I'm finally leaving behind yeah. my past. I'm fine. Right. And so yeah. I moved into this thing and I remember I kept saying, I'm so excited about what God's going to you know, use me for. Oh, use me. God use me. You know, like what he's going to do through me and this, that, and the other, and you know, whatever. And, and somebody one time they said, you know what, Jason, God's going to use you to do things but he's also going to do things in you. And they said, as a matter of fact, I think he's more concerned about the change that's going to happen in your life than the change that you're going to help happen in other people's lives. Right. So like, yeah. Yeah. the, the fruit of the ministry is going to be there, but what he's going to do in you is going to be far more superior. And I will absolutely say that I, he used this entire journey to do something in me and I wouldn't be here 
who I am in him and trust him and love him and know him on a deeper level. I don't think had I not gone through that, but yeah. he's so sovereign. He's so powerful that he uses a works mentality, like jacked up, you know, with relationship yeah. with God kind of sit, yeah. like he can use that still. He's like, I'm, I'm going to use you. I'm going to throw you down. Right. And, and you're going to teach and preach and, and speak truth and introduce people to Jesus and all that stuff. But I'm also going to change all that crap that's going on in you at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And sure. so I've come out of that entire experience, right? It's that, that crushing, or what'd you say? You made like a tweetable statement about, um, the broken expectations being a great place to build character. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so that's what the Lord was doing in me. He was taking yes. me through all this stuff. Um, but really the work that was happening in me, I believe was more profound than anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's the, I think that's the process of uh, idols being revealed. Hardly ever do I give up an idol. I think idols are mm. always revealed in my life. And, and so when that right. crowd doesn't come, and I, and my ex, and the expectation is just down. What's being uncovered it's is that a, I had an idol, idol revealed, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's good, man. I wouldn't have ever laid. I want a big crowd on the altar because I would think <laughs> that's what God wants me to do, yeah. right? Right. But yeah. instead of like it really being for God, it was more for me. And so then when it doesn't come, I'm like, oh man, that was in the wrong place. It's not that that was a bad thing, but I made it the ultimate thing. Like, like, yes. like Kierkegaard says, 100%. sin is not the doing of bad things. It's the making of good things into ultimate things, right? Mm. And, and, and that is true for That's me. Good. I make I, I can take any, you know, the creation that God made, and I made it. The, it's Romans 1, right? I made it right. the created thing. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I think that has to do with, like, our expectations and, and God wanting to root out. And, and again, he, he's driving home holiness. He wants to see us be holy. And, and that's, a, that's, that's a punishing blow for the lay member in your church and the things they're going through. And it's a punishing blow for the pastor yeah. who's faithfully following and serving. But there's a great, there, there can be a greater weight to that in, in what we experience and feel. Yeah, man, I agree with all that. There's, there's a lot of wisdom you to dishing out, serving up right there. The question that I keep thinking or, or that I want to ask planters, I mean, especially that come into our city, you know, and, and people that step into our circle and not out of a place of like judgment, literally at a place of like uh, caring, like, hey, do, do you have expectations? And, and if they're not met, you know, how are you going to react to that? If, if, you know, you do all of these things and at year two, you guys have only 175 people launched with, you know, we'll go 250 and then, you know, you drop back down and you guys have got back up to, is that going to be seen as a failure? You know, if, you know, because I feel like for you guys, one of the things that you had said yesterday at our lunch was that, you guys have had just this incremental, you know, right. it hasn't been this explosive. Uh -huh. It's been this incremental kind of faithful, like, if you will, like God's maybe even saying like, okay, you're, you're caring for my sheep. I'm going to introduce a, a few new families into yeah. your flock, that type of deal. So not this explosive growth, but this faithful, incremental, sustainable is a word that you used, uh -huh. um, gathering of people to come into your community. So the question that I want to ask, I mean, planters is, is, are, are you okay with leaving your ego at the door, your expectations at the door, and being okay with whatever God does? Because I've seen 
staffs, um, you know, volunteer leads, uh, pastors' wives be crushed under the expectations of the head person because they're not being met, and they have their agenda and their their holy wars, if you will, that they're fighting out there, um, leaving a wake of bodies and people in broken faith behind. And it, it's sad when that happens, but it's it's way more common than we would you know hope that it would be. But that and it, you're you're 100 right. But it, but I think what's difficult in that is you can't have an ex, you can't have a church planter leave their ego or expectations at the door because they haven't had them yet. They haven't had them met or or dropped. Right, right. right? So it's almost so, like they have to have that that first experience got, up there. And right? I, th- I think you got to. If you knew what church planting was, I don't think many people <laughs> you know would ever do it, up for it. You know, like if you actually knew the emotional toll. Yeah. The spiritual toll, the physical toll. Yeah. If you knew the kind of conversations you were going to have with your wife on nights that, like, you just want to, like, you want to be home with a family, but there's something, you know, it's like you're 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 having these real conversations that are just, man, they're heart wrenching. Man, did you remember how we talked about like oftentimes before? And I don't know, I think we've had conversations like this. Me and you, tours like. Man, I just got in a big fight with my wife with Lara, and I'm heading off to lead this volunteer meeting. But you know, we got into a fight because I haven't been. I've only been home twice this week, and we haven't had dinner together. And so there's like all of these these things that. But you're I have doing. to go do this thing. But I have to go do this thing, and and that's just a part of the, just a part of the the machine. You know, it's just things yeah. got to get done. It's it's tough. It's strenuous on a marriage. Well, and, and I be, think planters planters think that their passion will take them far, but I think God always values patience over passion perseverance yeah i think he's he's like he's like a god who says man i want you to be patient your passion is great but jesus wasn't a huge fan of zealousness he didn't like champion like people who were just like zealous for his name well if casey were here casey's our uh, co-host who hasn't been with us for a while but um he would say it's like fire right fire in a fire pit and contained it's powerful it's beautiful it accomplishes something but fire without containment or confinement is uh, detrimental, it's dangerous. Yeah, it's dangerous. Good. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so he says, it's "Okay to have zeal. It's okay to have passion, but it's got to be contained." Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's a place for it. Yeah. Start the fire there. Burn there. Right. Yep. You yep. take that away, and it can get crazy. For sure. Yep. Absolutely. Sure. Um, I wanted to ask a question. Um, so well, I don't know that I want to go that route. Nope. I'm going to defer. I'm not going to ask that question. I want to know what the question was. Nope. Okay. So (laughs) I'm not going to ask that question, but I did want to ask you the question and I told you I was going to ask you this beforehand. So we're talking about expectations. We're talking about not, maybe not feeling the success, that kind of stuff. And so um, we've seen quite a few church plants shut down in Wichita for different reasons. Uh Um, Under what circumstance do you think you would ever shut the doors of district church? And you can actually choose to not answer this question, but it, I feel like a lot of guys don't answer, don't know the answer to that question when they plant because they don't in their minds think that there is good. It boils down to expectation. God called me to this. We're going to have to grow. You know, I, I don't think he called me to plant just to shut it down in three, three years. Nobody would say that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. So either answer how, how or why you would shut it down or why maybe you think church plants are closing. Like, so I would, uh, I would use the same formula for how I was called in. Okay. I would listen for the voice of, I would listen for the voice of God and I Mm -hmm. would look for affirmation of people around me and close leaders that I would respect. And I would, I would hope that I would listen to them. And if they said, Hey, it's it's just not working right now. 
uh, we can we can be doing this somewhere else. Uh, we can be taking the people that you have. We can use them in better ways. We can reach that area in a better way. Um, then uh, you know, close the doors uh, at that level, and which mm-hmm. which which helps me because it takes the weight off my back. This isn't my thing, right? And I think right. this is the other thing that right. planters have it's to get yours. with, like. I'm, this is not Travis's church. It's not Brady's church. This is God's church. God never gave you a church to plant. He gave you a church to serve and, and go and steward and be faithful in. And so I, I don't own any, any real estate of right. it. Right. So, so how would you respond? Cause you know, I, I had to ask these questions at every level of our, of our existence. Um, and sadly when we were the biggest, it, it still wasn't enough. Um, but as we've continued to lose numbers, uh, we've continued to grow deeper in relationship with those around us. And we've continued to grow, grow closer to Christ. And I believe we've been faithful and we've started new ministries, the podcast, like there's multiple podcasts, there's online presence and classes and that kind of thing that have been yeah. birthed out of what we're doing. Right. So it's not really a come into our, into our room and be a part of this thing that we're trying to grow. But, really equipping people to do the ministry that God's yeah. called them to do. So that has continued to happen, but I've had to sh- wrestle every step of the way. And honestly, you know, there was one Friday night where I think we had three people show up and, you know, I went home and I was like, God, what do we do? Do we shut this down based on the amount of people that have shown up? So do you ever feel like if you were, and we're sustainable, like that's the craziest thing, right? Like we, we can pay our bills and our motto is pay our bills and give the rest away. And so we actually pay our bills. We support different ministries um, and we're able to be benevolent, generous yeah. with the money that we have. That's awesome. And we're not like this huge numbers ministry or church. And so, you know, at what point do you start asking the question like, well, God, do you, do we need to shut this down? You know, it's like, is it 40? Is it 70? Is it 35? I, you know what I mean? I know you asked him, but can I? Sure. Can I chime in? Yeah, so go I, for it. I mean, I think for a lot of church plants, I think, People start asking that question when you come down to when you can't pay the bills or when things are, you know, getting kind of, and I don't mean that. And I just, that's just a reality when it's like, man, we can't pay for rent. You know, we got this, all of these, mostly rent, you know, and oftentimes in schools, if a lot of planters go into schools, you're talking a couple grand, you know, like per Sunday. And especially if salary, like, you know, yeah, sometimes, yeah, I mean, there's, there's all of those factors, but I think there's a lot of planters that would not take a paycheck to keep it going, but when you can't pay the rent, that's literally, I think that kind of the, the big thing that's like, I don't know if we can do this. And so I think for a lot of people, they're analyzing based off of finances and can we sustain this? Can we do this? Um, uh, just with living water, you know, when we launched, that wasn't, um, that was a question that we started having. I mean, we, we started looking financially at like, we can't, we can't afford this. Um, that this isn't, this isn't working and, and we, or we knew it's like, okay, we're, we're good till this period. If at this point things aren't working out, we're going to have to have some very serious conversations. Now we were about three months before that point when we felt like God said, it's time to make a switch and transition. And that's when, you know, things, paradigm shift. Um, now I know there's some people that have said like, dude, you just made that shift because you couldn't afford it. I see what you did. And it's like, not no <laughs> we right. we may have looked at that once we got to that row but we didn't have to get we didn't have right. to answer that question and look yeah. at that it's then. like it's like francis 
Chan stepping out and going to start house churches. Like, yes. oh, you couldn't afford to sustain the <laughs> right, thing. Except no. Chan you know, could. That one is situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it, it. I mean, it. So for us, we started looking at that, and I know that there are lots of planners that financially that's a tough thing or when you can't find space or or when there's just no space to be had like mm-hmm. and it's real hard i mean for us like we meet at a park right now we, we, i don't know what's going to happen in three months when it starts getting cold mm-hmm. like we have a couple contingency plans for some things but mm-hmm. which Mittens. is which is fine because you know we're in a very interesting season in our church plant too right now to where i don't even I honestly don't know how much is coming in and but i don't necessarily need to know because we have like zero expenses um we're able to meet some needs when we right. can but but um maybe maybe that's considered reckless or sloppy or, or i don't know but sure i think for a lot of people it's the financial and i'm not and i don't mean that as a bad thing as much as yeah. i do the reality yeah you know one of the questions i was going to ask you is how how did you end up planting the model or paradigm that you planted um because it makes me wonder too like you know, you guys started living water started and they were, they like planted the service and like did that whole thing and went that route. But now God has led them to, you know, meet in homes and, and, and that's what they're doing. It's a smaller community, whatever you want to call it. But I believe Chris is being as faithful as he knows how to be. And, and so, you know, what I, I guess I want, I want to know what is it that drives people to want to like plant in the school and do the big service and do that kind of thing rather than, actually like, Hey, let's start some house churches or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, for me, that's probably, it's probably just more opinion. Cause I sure. got, I got friends that are like, you know, all around that, uh, they, they've got different paradigms that they're kind of working through house right. church model, things like yeah. that. And I mean, yeah. I respect the heck out of what they do for me. I think some of it's gifting and, and ability. I right. connect really well with people from the stage mm-hmm. and, and I just recognize that not as something I, I'm super insecure about it. Um, like I'm always asking my wife the wrong questions after a sermon. Hey, how do I do? People <laughs> yeah. like me. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, 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 but there is a, there is a, I, I think that especially in a service, the spiritual gift of just preaching the Bible, True. people connect with, I think mm-hmm. it's still something that even in today, just old school preaching the Bible connects with the person that's even furthest from God. Mm-hmm. I have we like every week I have an atheist, agnostic, I have a gay, tra- I have a tra- we have trans we got we got we got a lot of stuff Didn't going you say on. That you guys have like some some people that work nearby, like some people of the Muslim faith that come over and like attend some of y'all's Bible studies sometimes. We, or we like just that. yeah, we just got a, a conglomerate like just different people. But what I think that they are fixated on is when we just get up and preach the word. It's your tight jeans, talk, bro. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but so for us that fits our that fits one uh, just a natural personality characteristic, a natural gifting. It's not something we're it's something that we love to do, but we don't like crush the service. It's not like the thing right. we're not like looking to compete and say, man, we're just going to compete with every service in town. Mm-hmm. We just understand that I, I think that preaching, real biblical preaching and using that gifting, especially when it's something I think that God's gifted you in, I think that connects with people in, in mm-hmm. really supernatural spiritual ways. So do you think that maybe... And this is all speculation and opinion now, and I, I'm not thinking of anybody in general. But Perfect. Like, I like it. Okay, good. <laughs> like, you know, Joe Schmo goes to plant a church, and he's like, yeah, we're going to do this thing. Like, maybe had he gone a different route or tried a different model, he'd have been su- more successful, quote, unquote, in that, even though we just talked about faithfulness. So you can be faithful in 
you know, doing right. anything, but yeah. some guys may be better fit for that kind of situation. Like, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like uh, you said, you planted with Stadia. Uh huh. So they did your assessment yep. and got behind you through funding and all that stuff and so, mentorship. Yeah. So they yeah. really didn't like fund us. They, they, they equipped us with training, training. bookkeeping, okay. right. you know, right. that kind of so, thing. So they, they plant a specific model then I'm sure. They've got a model in, in their, in their minds. In they, their minds, they, right. They, yeah. Yeah. So, so. Maybe I guess my question is then like if I show up and and they're assessing me for their model, you know, do you feel like they're in the mindset of like, hey, I don't think you would be great at starting a Delano neighborhood church, but I think you'd be a killer house church leader. Like, well, see, I think it's got to be because I think you're on the right track. Yeah, I think I think it's less the model of the church. And what is the need around you, mm-hmm. which is what we're trying to answer in Delano. Okay. So like the, the, and I, and I, and I actually think big churches are doing this really well. They know who they're trying to reach and right. they are unapologetically reaching them. Mm-hmm. And so in the, in the, in the burbs, you've got the burbs, you've got, <laughs> you know, they've got like 35 year old Rick on their wall <laughs> that they're like, they're trying to reach him. They're by and so, Rick, and, Rick and Janine. Right. But like, but what they've created, what they've done well, I think, is they've created a model for how to do church for him and his wife and right. his two kids and a, and a yeah. dog. And so, but so if you went to Stadia and you were like, man, there's this neighborhood or there's this section of our town, like that's where we're going to see the unchurched is more in subgroups of people that already exist in our culture. And if we get creative on where the lost are, where the mm-hmm. people are that are mm-hmm. far from God, right. and we create our churches to fit that need, then the model of the church is going to fit that. Right. Not the model of the church is going to fit, oh, this neighbor. You know, right. does, that, does that make right, sense? Right, right, right. And so, so what I want to say to that is I think that we need to like destigmatize or or make it okay and even a, a healthy practice to allow people to graduate out of models. Yeah. Because you're talking about 35-year-old Rick. Well, if he goes to the burbchurch.com for four years and they're still doing church for 35-year-old Rick and he's 39-year-old Rick, four years grown in the faith, right? that might not be for him anymore. Right. And 100%. so then how do we maybe get people, churches, pastors, whatever, to think like, hey, it's okay if you graduate out of our model. Yeah, well, see, and and, and this is where I think uh, churches have to get out of the mindset of like, and the individuals have to too, but the comparison sure. thing. Right. God made an elephant to be an elephant. Mm-hmm. It's massive. It's 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 huge. Yeah. It needs yeah. different, I mean, so it's got different needs. And otter is t- is small, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like it's, But it's designed that right. way. It's supposed to be that way. Yeah. And so every church looks at success and failure based on how many are in the seats and what money's coming in instead of what success or failure based on where you're at and the loss that are around you Mm -hmm. and the people that need to hear that what's the gospel need around you because that should those should be more of the defining factors of of how well you're doing and you should seek sustainability in your context not at church plant like at large it should be what does a sustainable church look like if i want to plant a church that's going to be here for 25 years or 50 years what does that model look like here that's going to keep reaching people for that amount of time and if it's not fruitful first like i i think evangelism drives the church mm-hmm. discipleship is huge right now but discipleship always happens naturally as the church becomes more inward focused but evangelism is what really gets the church 
it's it's like evangelism is the New Testament buzzword. Like that's mm-hmm. that's what gets people excited about what's going on where you're at is Jesus is new. Something's new happening in me. Transformation is taking place. I'm not completely sure about everything that's Mm -hmm. going on here, but I like where they're headed. You know, that, those kinds of things. Yeah. But you know what? Like I, I came to know the Lord, I think when I was like 14 years old, but I grew up in church, but it was when I was 14, a a, um, freshman in high school that I really came into relationship with him. Um, But even so that was what I was 14. I'm 37. So 23 years, even 23 years later, I'm excited about the transformation that's happening in my life because of yeah. my relationship with Jesus. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. and I, I think that, you know, if, if we can, if we can get that, you know, that's, that's yeah. still evangelism to me at 23 years into my walk, still talking about how amazing Jesus is. Yeah. Like well, you have to know this guy. Yeah. Can, I, can, yeah. I go, yeah. can I go on one for a second? Get on it. Okay. So, you know, use the word evangelism, and and I think that that's so important. I mean, it's now how people do that and what that looks like, and, you know, does that take place? There's just all these questions that go along with that, but, I mean, people can agree with that's like making the connecting point from you to someone else to introducing them to Jesus. Right. Now, regardless of how that happens, there's, there's all sorts of different methods and things like that. I feel, though, like for so many people and so many... People in a church community, they've been told that the evangel it's almost like they're not evangelizing Jesus or spreading the good news of, of the gospel or Jesus or, you know, who he is, but how awesome our church is and how awesome our service is uh, and, yeah. and all of this thing. And so there's mm-hmm. this huge, this huge I, maybe you call it an idol around like this brand of our church and who it is. And so, you know, based off of some of the things that you've shared with me and just that you've said on the podcast, I, I don't think people are coming to the district church because your words, I'm not knocking it. Like, right. You guys aren't like crushing, putting on crushing it, yeah. like right. crushing the service and like, you know, doing this big thing to people are like, dude, did you see that Carrie Job this week? Like, right, right, you know, like right, it, right, it, right, you guys aren't yeah. like doing that or you have other really big mega churches where they're known for a certain element of their yeah. church. I would say that with the district church, what I've heard from you and seen from other people and from the impact that you've had in the community is that people are coming to the district church because of the people of the district church, the interactions that they're having with them, uh, you know, the, the, the teachers at the school, some of the parents of those kids. And so what's happening is, is that people are being mobilized out into the community. Right. It's not yeah. so much a, whereas the service is just a, this hub that you, they, people come back to. That's the, the gathering that it's always the anthill that people return to every single week. Right. But you, it doesn't sound like you guys are pushing for the, get them here, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not the main point. Whereas I see so many people and I was once there, I mean, to where it's like, our church is awesome. We have this, 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 like sign this, this membership and you get a little tag to scan on your way. Like the whole thing, like you're a part of our community now sign this covenant. Well, I mean, evangelism is not an, it's an individual thing. And, And I would say nothing pushes people to grow faster than evangelism. They can pray, they can give, they can serve. But everybody's uncomfortable with it because it's the thing that makes you grow the fastest. Go share your faith with that person. They get all nervous, and then they start to actually vocalize what's coming on. Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you start speaking and you bumble over your words and you look like a fool in front of that person, you go back to Google and say, man, well, I didn't understand that question. And you deepen your faith through that whole process. Right. right? Yeah. But but what you're saying, I, I totally agree with because the evangelism worldwide is the church 
right? Mm-hmm. Like the great evangelist is not an individual person. It is the church body. It's community, right? And, yeah. and so that was the whole goal. Like Jesus says, like, they'll know that you're, you're mine by how you love one another, yes. by how you're united. And For so sure. the, the entire church has to be a part of that evangelism picture collectively. Yeah. Well, uh, you even take the word, since we're talking about evangelism, and I think that people are scared I think to evangelize maybe not there is a big part of it is because they don't maybe they don't feel like they have all the answers but there's another part too that I think that we've almost put expectations on people that you know you've evangelized successfully if you get they pray the prayer like that's you did the great job right. and so it's almost like right. I'm going to use the analogy it's like trying to go out on the first date and get lucky you know it's like yeah. you, you're just trying to close the deal <laughs> I mean that's that's what it is as opposed to like no I'm going to start this relationship we're going to start out I'm going to get to know you you're going to get to know me and then you do whatever Jesus says maybe Jesus tells you to share this aspect of your faith maybe he doesn't I mean but right. following his lead and prompting throughout that process instead of just like did you get the hand? Did you get the prayer? Like that thing. And so that could be overwhelming and like defeating yeah. for people. Yeah. I would just say that when, when people in, in our culture see a changed life, like someone, we, we talked in our, we had a, a, one of our huddle questions this last week was like, how rare is it to see a real Jesus follower? Like how many Jesus followers do you know in your life? Like that you would actually index in your life and like in your mind and say, man, right. that is a Jesus follower. They go, Pastor and like, Travis, and Pastor <laughs> Brady, that's it. But no, those but like salty dogs. those salty dogs over there. Um, but, but unfortunately most of our people were answering with, it's very rare. Mm-hmm. I don't know of many that I would say that is a Jesus follower. Identify that way. And and so when you do see somebody who is vocal in a relationship, I'm never yeah. one. I, I just, it's just not my personality. Just be like, you know, if you were stumble to die in the next into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but when I go, like, so I go to the gym and I view that as like a mission field. Yeah, for sure. Every single day I'm looking to like, like these guys don't know it yet, but like, if I haven't met them, yeah. <laughs> if I haven't met them yet, there's a goal for me to meet them, no, man, and, I, I, and, I understand. and to go in that direction, you know, and build that relationship. And 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 I've seen fruit from that. There's been people that come now to the church that I see on a daily basis because I I I you know started that process with them, and that's what I just want to exemplify for our church. I want them to have that somewhere, um, and and have that time out and about where yeah. they're actually building and, that. And I think it's important because, you know, I asked that question earlier, like, what do you ultimately want for people? Well, my answer is the Sunday school answer, Jesus. Like, I honestly, I just want people to come to know him. Like, I want them to get plugged into community. I would love for them to have ministry and, you know, live out what God has put in their heart, like all that stuff. But ultimately, like, if people enter into relationship with the invisible God, right? Mm-hmm. Like he reveals himself to them and, and then, you know, Holy spirit, transformation, regeneration, that introduction, that relationship that starts to happen. Like I, that, I mean, he's got them. Yeah. Like, I don't have to worry. I mean, yeah, I can help them in their life and maybe yeah. I'm a shepherd to them or teacher or pastor, whatever it is. Yeah. But for the most part, it's like, if you enter a relationship with God and you're going home and you're crying out, you know, in the middle of the night or before you go to sleep, you, you've got that secret place where you're connecting with him and he's doing something like praise the Lord. Yeah. Like I want that more than anything for anybody. For sure. Um, but I think, I think people have to know their why Travis, mm-hmm. like 
we talk about evangelism and like, go share your faith. It's a scary thing. Well, sometimes people don't know why they should. Yeah. Or we can tell them why, but if they don't know why, and if they don't have a why, they're not going to do it. Yeah. Right. It's out of the overflow. Yeah. It's, it's not like it's the pastor's job to pop the top, you know, like we can yeah, help right. maybe shake them up a little bit. But I think there's something in that. So let me push back. Go for it. Okay. Yes. I think our generation, how, how old are you, Jason? 37. Okay. So our generation, how old are you? 28. 28. Get out of how here. How old are you? 33. Oh, okay. I'm 28. Yeah. Just, you're just, just too ignore young. the hairline. Well, we just young. got a nice little, uh... <laughs> but, but even, I mean, collectively in our generation, we're super uncomfortable with evangelism. Right. Because we think evangelism is intrusive. Mm-hmm. We think it's rude. We think that that is what is one thing that's actually wrong with the church is because there's this expectation. We think evangelism, and if you're like me, I think track. Like passing a right. track to somebody. And I right. just have right. horror or the, things in my... Or the bracelet we made in uh, right. VBS. Right, yeah. And so we're uncomfortable you're with certain elements. Bead. You're a sinner. Yeah, yeah. We're uncomfortable with certain elements of like public faith. Yes. But this goes back to that obedience factor where Jesus is like, he doesn't have it, he doesn't like preach and then say, go discuss it. He's like, preach and go do it. I think he's the same with Avengers. He sends the, he sends the 72 out two by two, right? I don't think that they could look back and say, not ready for that. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee out of that 72, they weren't all like, yeah, let's go and do it. I think there was some like me who'd be like, eh, I'm kind of uncomfortable with this. I'm going to do it but because you, you go, told me, Jesus, but... Because there's yeah. a little bit of uneasiness. No matter how well you're trained and no matter how long you take and no matter how much of a relationship you build, we're called mm-hmm. to just go. Right. And I think if people can get over that that weird hump right. and actually get comfortable or even get passionate about their faith. But again, that it flows from the why, you know, why should I follow Jesus? Man, let me tell you when I was 14 and my life's never been the same and I had some ups and downs, but man, I'm at peace and like, you know, whatever, like he's awesome. Yeah. Like that's going to flow from that place of having actually experienced. But what's, but what's a better why? Because you're convinced or because Jesus told you to. Because you're convinced. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> but Jesus told you to. He did. Right? So, so that, and that goes back to that story with Peter. He wasn't convinced. Right. But he did. Why? Because he's, he literally said in that line, because you said so. Right. That's, and that's the cultural element that's different for us from like a, like a biblical practice than, than how we practice. And, and I think that we have to like but be I, sensitive to that. It, and, I, and I think that authenticity has a lot to do with it too. Yeah, because I, that's what I was going to get to. I can just robot, you know... If you were to die in the next thirty seconds, do you know where you would spend it? We use right, that. Right, we right. use that joke. But <laughs> you know there's probably not yeah, very yeah, many people yeah, out there that are yeah. I'm with you. throwing yeah. that out. I think for me, one and of that's the, where that comes from. Yep, yep. Yeah. I'm with you. I think with evangelism, for me, one of the things that that brings hesitation or pause for me is is the bait and switch. Right? Like I, I'm all for like if I could if I could reorient or say one thing to believers if it's is to not like just don't view someone as a as a wham bam like did you accept or do you, yes or no no okay I'm on to the next one 100 because because that's not that's not right and I think that that's where my big that's my big issue right now with you know people who are evangelists they have the heart not evangelists they, you know there are people that have that passion but right. we're all called to do sure. the action yeah you know what I mean and so but for people that are like i just i got to go out today i got at least 10 people you know and dude i don't want to talk to you anymore like i don't have time for you anymore but for for you like or for approach an approach that is a lot more um i guess holistic or or all life missional may be the right word to yeah. it's it's hey even if they want nothing to do with 
your faith and those aspects of your faith, you can still right. continue to evangelize right. by your love, yeah. the love you have for them, staying in their lives, all of that stuff. And so for me, I guess, yes, there's a point where you come and you share your faith whenever Jesus tells you to, but I don't think Jesus is going to go well done onto the next one, you know, with the right. hand clap. Yeah, like yeah. you stay present, yeah. you be there in their life, and you you don't just run right. away right. because you didn't get 100%. the yes. Yeah, sure. And I and I think it it boils down to calling. And again, you know, how are we wired? Like KP Yonahan, is that his name? Yeah. So he talks about um, getting saved and then preaching in the square. Yeah. Right. Open air preaching. Yeah. yeah. And so that is his thing. Some people will be like, I 100% believe in relational evangelism. I want to look yeah. the person in the eye. I want to know them. I don't want to just, you know, uh, blanket it onto a crowd, people I, I don't know. And if they don't accept, well, too bad. And, if, you know, if they do, great, come with me kind of situation. Yeah. And well, so, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, to, to relate this to church planting, why this is why this has changed for me because I worked with someone who was very much like put the track out, just share, 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 made me feel super uncomfortable. Sure. I was discipleship heavy. Church planting, the evangelism piece is the part where I had to just come to terms with some things in my walk with the Lord. And and so and 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 so you just go over like for me, I'm most comfortable with like what Paul would do, like go into the synagogues and reason with them day after day. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. reason and just but keep going back and sure. build that relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? But but because I find that it's easier for me to evangelize when I get up front and honest with who I am the first day. Yeah. And then I keep coming back sixty, seventy, eighty days afterwards. Mm-hmm. Because they know who I am, yeah, right, and and they're ready. Then they're ready to start having that conversation. I don't have mm-hmm. to. I don't have to hold anything back on who I am. So can I ask you what you what you say? Like, it, because uh, do you, I mean? Right. I'm not. I'm not trying to be. I just. Do you just say, "Hey, my name's you know Travis. I'm uh, started a church here in the you know Delano district." No, and- I do, I do. I I th- I believe strongly in like come and see. Yeah. So come and see the church. Come and see what we do. Come because they get to then come and actually hear me preach. It's like right. nah, I'm, I'm inviting that, or come hear my brother or They're something like that. Stepping into that, yeah, They're yeah. stepping across that like line. So I, I'll do that. Come but, to district church and hear Brady. He'll give you the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll find out where they live. Yeah, that works too. plenty of people, and and I'm like, okay, hey, there's there's a church over here. There's church, you know, all that kind oh, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I'm going to do the come and see method. Mm-hmm. There's going to be times though where, I, and this is where I just try to like, man, I don't know. I'll start a conversation with someone, and it is very easy to get deep real quick. Oh yeah, I mean, people are vulnerable today. Right, they really value the authenticity, and and I think there's nothing more real than Jesus, and and so I can get into those conversations by not by relating it to oh man, like here's what here's where I'm at with that, yeah. and here's what I do, um, yeah. and then uh, but but what what I'm always looking for is what's the second point of contact with a person yeah. that I can begin to get to know them better. Mm-hmm. Like when I when I remember somebody's name, I know that I'm getting to know them. You sure, know, it takes sure. me two, three, four times to remember somebody's name. Yeah. But so I'll invite them, come and see. I'll just see where the conversation goes because I think certain times I meet people who are just, man, they're ready to share everything. Yeah. And that and they're comfortable with hearing everything. And, and oftentimes and, you don't have time for that. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, but bro, that's, I'm that's in the middle of like, my second set. Right. I can't, I got, do you see this pump I got going on? But then later on, it's like there's a guy that's been coming to church for two or three months, and I just recently sat down with coffee for him or with him, heard his story, 
and he's not a believer, but related what I thought about his story to what I think God originally designed for his life and all those kinds of things. And so share the gospel that way. And so I, I don't think there's ever like... I'm not a one formula guy. Yeah, I just I mean, can't like it, come up and do you're that. You're almost like a Swiss Army knife. It's like whatever, whatever the situation, and that's kind of how you have to, to be, right? Yeah, that's kind of how you have to be with that whole thing. It's like Jesus may have you do one thing in this instance and another thing in another instance, and I mean, as long as you're listening for right. His voice and just doing to, whatever He says to be led, right? For sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like you you send a soldier to war, and they've got all sorts of. Um, tactical gear and like you, you might use your pistol or you might use your, your combat knife or you might lay a claymore. Or you might have a yeah. RPG, right? Like, we're you know so, what I'm saying? And and I think, and yes, dis- I'm likening evangelism and winning a soul to killing your enemy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, but a lot of our discomfort in that is because at, 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 at a base level, we think that evangelism is offensive. Mm-hmm. We really do. I, I, I won't speak for you guys. I'll speak for myself. At times, I feel like I have something offensive, especially in the or culture that we live in. It's or something intru- like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so, Taboo. Yeah. Religion, I, politics. I know that like Jesus is a dividing line. Right. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a really as, good. As polarizing as our culture is right now. Yeah. And this is where I think, man, you could talk church planting ministry and our culture and context. And the most polarizing pieces right now are completely anti, anti-gospel. Yeah. And, and. And you could talk for days on on those kinds of things, but that's that's where I think again, the the evangelism piece is huge yeah. in in how we plant churches. I mean, there, sure. I don't think there's any getting around it. Yeah, absolutely. Man, this has been a good conversation. It's been it's been good. I'm I'm feeling it coming to a close. Uh, plus, I'm about to pee my pants. <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, give us a uh, give us a closing statement. Maybe. Oh, ooh, can I? Okay. Yeah, go for I got it. it. So, Do if it. you if you could give advice. Or if you had maybe a, a word of knowledge, something you wanted to share with somebody who's considering planting, is in the midst of planting. I mean, any any in the planting realm, what would you, if you had, you know, one or two things that you could say to encourage, spur, challenge? I mean, what what would those words be? We we a thousand percent need you to plant a church. We we need church planters. Um, Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So we need you to plant a church. We need you to dream big. We need you to come with everything that you've got to plant that church. But we need you to do it the right way. We need you to That's have good. people who have affirmed it. We need to, we need you to have a team with you and resources. And we need you to just come with everything that you can muster um, and do it well. And, and then I would just tell them, just listen. Listen to God. Listen to people in your life. And and be willing to uh, to to not make church planting the end all, like don't right, make right. it the end all. Make it a, a a a make it a calling. And if you're called, man, give it everything you got. Come with a great plan. If you're not, it doesn't mean you're any less of a leader, any less of a follower, any less of a person uh, for for not jumping in. Yeah, I think you said it. Listen, like that's the biggest deal, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Do it and do it the right way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The Lord's way. <laughs> yes. If you're going to make chips, make the Lord's <laughs> chips. You got to get a nacho libre. Right? You got to get a nacho <laughs> libre. Hey, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm just, I'm on Facebook, but I'm the worst social media dude okay. out there. So maybe just your church website. You go to the, yeah, go to the district church, you guys, district church, wichita.com or You guys Facebook. post your sermons and all that stuff? Uh, yeah. Post okay, on, good. Yep. Yeah. 
Yep. Awesome. Go on there and find yeah, them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure some of you may get some people from our, our little network that really resonated with just how you view church that may go watch a couple sermons. Cool. Send you some critiques. If you think he's doing a terrible job preaching, just shoot yeah, That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Travis at the Email Brady at the... That's right. Yeah, so... That's so funny. I barely even, not even here. I know. And I barely even know the guy. Like, I think I've seen him once in my oh, life. Oh, man. So that's kind of Dude, funny. Dude, I'm so thankful for the Yeah, for thanks the for coming, man. Well, for, for you coming today, but also for the community community that that we have with some pastors here in the wichita area church planners you know we're trying to keep that strong and so i'm super encouraged i'm I'm encouraged to have more conversations about this thing i think that god took this topic exactly where it needed to go and and man just thank you so much for your time and and just sharing sharing your thoughts and you you can tell people it's not that bad coming on the podcast right so absolutely you only you only um never mind go for it I was say gonna, it. I lost my train. You of lost your train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. It was good to have you, man. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate it, guys. It. Had a lot right. of fun. All right, listeners, saltydogspodcast.com. Um, email us, saltydogs. Yes, please send us an email. Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Leave us reviews. Do the likes and the shares and all the things. Or just emails. They're so encouraging. They are. They really are. You'll, yeah, we'll pass the salt with your name in. For sure. Yeah. Salty Dogs. Out. Peace. <laughs>